So today, I want to start by taking a look at 2 Corinthians 3.17. So 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm sure that many of us are familiar with this passage, and if not, maybe the popular song. You know how it goes. No, I'm not going to sing it. You can, you can uncover your ears now. <laughs> Uh, some of you that have been around for a while um, may have uh, may know our, our friend TK. Um, if you don't know him, he, he's an awesome man of God, a friend of this church, uh, the pastoral staff, everyone here. And he's on team with New Covenant Ministries International, which is a five-fold ministry team that we partner with. And I know I've heard this, and, and you may have heard this as well. There's been times in the past where TK has shared that a more accurate translation of this passage would be this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. And I've heard him say that a few different times, and I, I found it interesting. And so I wanted to dig into it a little bit. I thought about freedom, and I thought about what I think of or what we think of when we think of freedom. Um, and usually it has to do with, you know, living life our way. No one telling us what to do. Uh, being our own boss, maybe. But I took a deeper look at this verse, and I thought more about what TK had said. And I, I looked at the word freedom in the Greek in this passage. And uh, in some translations, it uses the word liberty in place of freedom. But that word, and I'm going to try not to butcher this, I'm not a Greek speaker, is eleutheria. And what it means is liberty to do or to omit things having no relationship to salvation. Fancied liberty license the liberty to do as one pleases. And as I continued to study, I found that there's actually three different Greek words that are translated as freedom or liberty in the Bible. There's a few others. Um, so in addition to eleutheria, there is also eleutharaho and eleutharos. And as I dug into this, it's important that we know the difference between each of these. So, so bear with me as I go through this. So Eleutharaho is to make free, to set at liberty from the dominion of sin. And then the other word used is eleutharos, which means freeborn, like in a civil sense, one who is not a slave, one who ceases to be a slave or is freed. So then I ask the question, are we free? Well, we've always been free, right? We, we've not, we're not enslaved to somebody. We we can do whatever we want to do. There's nobody going to stop us, right? But let's look at John 8, 31 through 36. John 8, 31 through 36 says this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Now I want to unpack that verse for a moment. I'm going to go back through it and I want to point out these different words that are being used here. So we'll go through it again. So Jesus was saying, to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So that word free is alutharaho, to make free, 
to set at liberty from the dominion of sin. So when we know the truth of Jesus, when we know Jesus, we are set free from the dominion of sin. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved yet to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So when they say that, they're saying, Eleutheros, freeborn, one who is not a slave. They're saying, We're not enslaved. I don't know what you're talking about. So Jesus responds to them and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, if the son sets you at liberty from the dominion of sin, you will be free, one who is not a slave, one who has been set free indeed. These Jews were saying, we're not enslaved in the physical. We're not in bondage. But Jesus is saying, you were enslaved in your spirit. You were enslaved to sin. We've not always been free. We've not always known the truth that is Jesus Christ. But, and we were once slaves to sin. And that word for slave is doulos. A slave, a bondman. One who gives himself up to another's will. Um, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. So we've not always been free, but once we come to know Jesus, we're set free. We're no longer in bondage to sin. It has no power over us. We are free, but we still have a choice to make. We still have to choose freedom. We have free will. Jesus didn't take that from us. So we have to decide who we will serve and what will guide us. Romans 1.1 1, 1 says this, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And that word for bondservant is the same word. It's, it's still doulos. One who gives himself up to another's will. So what are we devoted to? Who are we going to serve? We're going to serve one or the other. Well, we serve who will we obey. Romans 6.16-23 6, says this, do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were slaves of sin, you, that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms for your members because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Jesus wants us to be free. And he set us free. But we still have to choose freedom. We still have to choose what we obey, who we serve. So we've got that decision to make. Jesus broke the power of sin over us on the cross. But just as with salvation, where we have to accept that gift, we also have to accept that gift of freedom. And we have to walk it out. So will we walk by the Spirit, or will we walk by the flesh? 
Galatians 5.16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Let's skip down to verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's how... Jesus wants us to live out our life. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to walk by the Spirit. But we have a choice. So let's take a look at our options here. Let's take a look at walking by the flesh for a moment. We're going to take a peek at the Israelites here in Exodus 16. So in Exodus 16, 1 through 3, it says this. Then they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, not starting off good, which is between Elam and Sinai on the fifth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, What that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they're complaining about their comfort. They've been set free from slavery. But they're complaining about their comfort. They're not trusting God. So God gives them manna, bread from heaven, and tells them to only gather what they need for that day. And they still don't trust God. They gather more. And it's rotten by morning. And they continue to complain. And then they want meat. So the Lord says, okay, I'll give you meat. So in the morning he gives them manna, and in the evening he sends quails into the camp so that they can have meat. He tells them to gather twice the manna on the sixth day and observe the Sabbath on the seventh, to rest on the seventh. Do you think they did that? No. (laughs) They didn't. They still didn't trust God. They still didn't listen. And now they're thirsty. Exodus 17, 1-3 says this, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? They were slaves. They were in bondage. And now they're complaining about a little bit of water? It's just crazy. Freedom is not about our comfort. It's about who we serve. Are we focused on what we want, what our flesh wants, or what the Lord wants? Are we trusting God or are we questioning everything that he tells us, everything that, that he gives us? Thank you. 
<clears throat> we all know how this journey ends, right? They come to the edge of the land of Canaan. <clears throat> the edge of the land that God had promised, flowing with milk and honey. He wanted to bless them, even after all their grumbling. But yet still they refuse to trust God. They see the giants in the land, and God says, you can take it, it's yours, and they, they still don't trust. And so all but a few that were there at that time die in the wilderness. Bondage and death is what comes from walking in the flesh, serving our comfort and desires instead of God's and not trusting him. But let's take a look at how God wants us to live. What about walking in the Spirit? Let's look at Paul and Silas. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are traveling together. And I want to start in uh, Acts 16:8 or 6 through 8. They passed through Pyrgon and uh, the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So the Lord kind of redirected them. And after they came to Mysa, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So again, he kind of aims them in a different direction. And passing by Mysa, they came down to Troas. So notice already, there's no grumbling. Well, we want to go over here, Lord. Lord says, no, go this way. Okay, Lord. There's no grumbling. There's no complaining. They're following the Lord's guiding. And their journey eventually brings them to Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And while they're there, they, they end up freeing a slave girl of a spirit. But uh, that slave girl's owners um, call for them to be thrown in prison. So in Acts 16, 22 through 33, it says this. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. I want to pause there for a minute. Look how opposing this is. Now they're in physical bondage, and they're praising God. It's not about our comfort. It's not about a lack of restrictions or uh, not having a master. It's, it's about who we serve. That's what freedom's about. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together, with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all of his house. When we walk in the Spirit of God, there is freedom. Freedom, not just for us. It wasn't just the, their chains that were loosed. It was everyone's chains in the prison that were loosed. That whole family was saved. I have a little confession to make. 
when I gave the definitions of those words earlier, I left something out. I exercised a bit of fancied liberty. That word eleutheria, the last bit of that, after it speaks of fancied liberty, it talks of true liberty. True liberty is living as we should, not as we please. Walking by the Spirit is true liberty. Serving God is true liberty. That is the freedom that God intended. Paul and Silas were beaten and physically imprisoned, and yet they were free in their spirit. It didn't matter that they were being beaten or they were in bondage. They were singing praises to God because God is good. God set them free. They were free in their spirit. Their lives were submitted and and, in service to Christ. They had joy and were praising God. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is true liberty. I, I see the truth in that. We should not aspire to our own comfort. We need to trust and be guided by Jesus. The Israelites didn't trust God and had a lack of human comforts. They were disgruntled. They wanted to return. They, they were just disgruntled. They wanted to return to slavery. They saw that as, as better. But if we walk by the Spirit, there's life. There's joy and there's freedom, even in the midst of bondage. So how do we walk by the Spirit? I have a few things come to mind. And Last week, Mark had shared this, and I thought this was really good. He said, don't let our days determine our life, but our life determine our days. And I want to share uh, another quote uh, from a pastor. His name is Chuck Swindoll. He, he pastors a church in Texas, and, and he had this to say, and I thought it really kind of went along with that. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is, We have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. I thought that was so good. So good. 10% what happens and 90% how we react to it. Paul and Silas could have easily had an attitude like the Israelites. They could have been like, really? We can't go where we want. We free a slave girl of a spirit. And then we get beaten and thrown in jail for it. But they didn't. They were more concerned about God's agenda than their own. They were serving God and not their comfort. So what is attitude? Attitude is our feeling about something or someone, which translates into our actions, how we act uh, about things. And how we, um, how we feel about something is determined by what we believe. So walking in the Spirit has a lot to do with what we believe. So do we believe that God is good? Do we trust His Word? That He will turn all things to our good? Do we allow our days to determine our life? There's going to be bad days. It's inevitable. They'll happen. 
But when they come, do we trust that God is good? Do we trust that God's going to take the junk that is our bad day and turn it into something awesome? We have to walk and respond by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We can choose each day what attitude we will embrace. We can't determine what our day is going to throw at us, but we can determine how we respond to it. I also believe that walking in the Spirit, um, it, it, it's helpful that our attitude impacts our actions, and, and our attitude is determined by what we believe and what we dwell on. So what we dwell on, what we think about, is important. So we have to keep every thought captive. Our flesh and our enemy are at war with God. And while we are currently in our earthly bodies, we, you know, our spirit lives in our earthly body right now, we're in our flesh, but we're not to be guided by it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The enemy will always try to get our focus off of God and put our focus on self. That's what he does. He's going to lie to us. He puts thoughts into our mind that we shouldn't think about or dwell on. He's going to tempt us with sin. And he's going to try to return us to bondage. Because that's what he does. That's what he wants to do. But we're not having it. Jesus set us free. We can choose freedom. We have the authority over our thoughts. And we can keep them captive to the obedience of Christ. It matters what we think about and what we dwell upon. Philippians 4.8 tells us some of those things that we should dwell upon. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We've got to shut down the enemy's constant blah blabble. We, we just got to shut it down. Our, our fleshly thoughts, the, the garbage that the enemy wants to tell us, the lies that he tells us about who we are, about what we can and can't do. God wants us to tear down strongholds. He wants to use us to do that, and he can. He wants us to walk with him in freedom and to help set those free that are still in bondage. We walk by the Spirit by fo- focusing our thoughts on the things of God. Colossians 3, 1-3 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We just got to stay focused on Him. We have to keep our minds, set our minds on Christ. Keep an attitude of praise and trust in God because he he's trustworthy. I have one last thing and then I'm going to wrap up here. Walking by the Spirit is about relationship with God. It's about walking out our lives with Him every day, including Him in every aspect of our lives. 
giving him room and acknowledging him, trusting him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. We don't have to have it all figured out. I don't. But I know that God's good. I know that he set me free. I know that he wants me to set others free. I know what he thinks about me. I know what he thinks about you. He is good. He loves us. He loves us. And he set us free. We just have to choose him. We have to choose him. We have to trust him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Or where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. I think both are true. I think both are true. I think in the presence of God, there is joy, there is peace, there is freedom. They're all there. But when the Spirit is Lord, I think we can grab a hold of that freedom and walk it out and walk in it. We've been set free. But we have to choose freedom. When we walk by the Spirit, when the Spirit is Lord, when Jesus is King in our lives, when we are obedient to righteousness, we can be truly free. We can experience true liberty. We can live as we should and not as we please. That's true freedom. Living the way we want, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. It's what our flesh wants is not, does not bring about the life of God. It brings about death. But we've got to choose. Galatians 5.1 says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. That's, that's the word for true liberty that's used there. It was for true liberty that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't return to it. Don't go back to Egypt, guys. Don't go back to Egypt. Run to Jesus. Run to Him. Follow Him. Let Him guide us every day. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And He'll make our path straight.